be praised. I sing glory to your name. Oh, Lord, glory to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great, and it's greatly to be praised. I sing glory to your name. Oh, Lord, glory to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great, and it's greatly to be praised. Everybody, come on. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great, and it's greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great, and it's greatly to be praised. One more time. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great. And it's greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great. And it's greatly to be praised. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. There's somebody here. You've just been struggling. Your heart has been broken. I'm not talking about just, you know, you had a, a, a relationship, but, but just experience through life. Your heart's just been broken. I want to pray with you. Would you come up here? I want to pray with you. There's an anointing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's like dealt, life just dealt you. Thank you, Lord. There's an anointing to heal the brokenhearted. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just sing that lightly in the, in the background. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do you all know the song? All right. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all stretch your hands out here, Father. I thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you for the anointing that binds up the brokenhearted. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we thank you for bringing everything that's been shattered and broken apart together again as only you can do. By the strength of your anointing and the power of the living God, we release that anointing to bind up that brokenness. Put it all back together again.
the very original For intent and call would rise up and take place in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the anointing. The anointing, the only thing that binds up the brokenness that life itself brings to shatter, to break apart. So it's unrecognizable, the original plan. But we thank you right now. By the anointing of the Spirit of God, you began to bring vision. You began to bring hope once again, putting things back together as if they had not been broken in the first place. We thank you, Father, from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, God, the anointing, saturating and bringing things together again, not only in her heart, but I thank you in her mind and vision, things back together, that which you've shown her, that which she's seen, but it seems like it broke apart. We command it to come together again by the power of the living God. I give honor to your name. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, honor to your name. Oh, Lord. Thank you, For your name is great. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the anointing that binds up brokenness. Puts it back together again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We thank you for a release of that anointing, God. Moving, moving, drawing back together again. That which has been broken, that which has been shattered. As only you can do, we release that anointing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Jesus. And I sing praises to your name. We thank you, Lord, for releasing that anointing. Thank you, Lord. That which which she thought was gone, it had been broken away. So broken, it could never be fixed or put back together. I thank you, Lord. You begin to mend that which is in her heart, which was broken. And you put it back together. And I sing restoring, to your name. restoring, yeah. restoring oh, Lord, that which was broken. Praises in to the name, your name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for that anointing. And it's great in the name of Jesus. Thank you Lord, for your great loving kindness. For thank your you, Lord, name you just saturate is her with great. your love and it's great in the midst of that embrace of your love it pulls together all for things your name that had broken is up great. and it's great restores hope I thank you father in that putting together it won't be a hard heart but and one I sing that is praises soft and to pliable, your name protected by you Oh, Thank you, Lord, Lord, for restoration. Praise is to your name. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For your name, the name is of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And it's we thank you for that anointing to be that heals the brokenhearted. And we thank I you sing right now for praises that anointing flowing name. from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Oh, that which the enemy said would never be possible again because of what had happened. He's a liar. We declare that statement a lie in the name of Jesus. 
that that which you planned, that which you purposed, that which you said from the beginning, be you are able. You are able for your name by your mighty power. Is great. So we thank you, Father, for that which is before her. All the strength, all the vision, all the expectation returning for as your you name bind up by your anointing great. that which has been broken. And it's great we command a total to healing of that broken heart. Total as if it had not been broken. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Honor to Ooh, Thank you, Lord. Glory Thank to your you, name, Lord. Jesus. Jesus. Glory power Thank you, Lord. To you. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ooh, we praise you, Jesus. Thank you for your loving kindness. Your mercy that endures forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Don't be anxious for anything. Just rest in his presence. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. You're so awesome. Hallelujah. Bless your holy name, Jesus.
Hallelujah. Oh, I wish you would. Um, I was, you know, we just have different needs that we know of at different times. And I was in my bathroom this morning just praying for some people that were on my heart and that are part of our congregation. And I was praying for uh, creative miracles and for an acceleration in the healing process of things that are happening in their bodies and things that God is doing. And um, just sitting in his presence here, uh, that came back to me, that creative miracles and acceleration of the healing process. And I had this thought, there's sometimes things that we're dealing with in our bodies and sometimes things that, you know, uh, a disease or a illness or a pain or a whatever, but the receptivity to receive him in this way this morning to heal our hearts and to heal things in that way that it's going to affect the physical. So that's what I was thinking. And it's not just for those who came. Um, it's for all of us. If we receive the, the healing anointing of the Holy Spirit, healing hearts and healing lives and healing wounds and healing things that are emotional, that that's going to carry out into the physical. And so uh, anyway when I was praying this morning for an acceleration of the healing process, you know, even those who have been undergoing a treatment or um, something like that, the Holy Spirit, God can just get in the middle of that and make everything, you know, just heal his creative power working. So anyway, I just want our hearts to be open to him moving in our own bodies as we receive him healing our hearts this morning. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just trying to navigate this a little bit here. Um, leave me that microphone for just a minute. Melissa, come up here for just a minute. I know that she'll love this. So if you'll remember when we were talking about prayer at the very beginning of the, the year, just sitting down and, and picturing Jesus being across from you and, and you know, uh, having that conversation. And so just in similar, healing the heart and how you do that um, she was telling me yesterday, she said, I don't know if anybody asks God these things, but she was in the midst of a difficulty, and she, she asked him a question, and he answered it. I just thought it was, it was very, sometimes we just think we have to be very uh, perfect in how we talk to God, and, and a simple question brought really a profound answer, but I can't really tell it. She can tell it, so uh, it, I believe it has to do with what we're, where we are right here in our ability to connect with God immediately just from our hearts. Just tell him what you prayed and what he answered. Yikes. Um, so I, I was walking the other morning and I was just talking to God and I said, and I just woke, you know, always like, I said, God, well, how are you this morning? I thought, that's a weird question to ask God. Like, why would I ask God how he is? And he said, well, I'm the same. I'm the same as I was yesterday. I'm faithful. I'm constant. I'm true. I'm loving. I'm full of joy. I'm full of peace. And and every storm that's around us, I was just like, that's so true, because I'm not. <laughs> and so thank you, that, and that's it. But it just hit me, like, God is so faithful. And I'm like, who would ask him? Like, God, how are you? But that's, and Pastor Mark kind of just helped me. That's how he was speaking to me, so I could be reminded of the things that he is. So, anyway. Amen. 
So sometimes we're struggling with things, and we think, you know, I just have to have all that right. And she was just struggling with things and just said, God, how are you? I'm a, I'm a little struggling right now, but how are you? And that's simple, but how profound when he answers, because he will answer. I'm the same. You might be struggling. It might not be the same for you, but I'm exactly the same. And because I am that I am, you can have hope in your struggle. Because even though things have changed for you, I'm the same. Amen. It's an awesome, awesome answer. I think we have someone else who would like to. Thank you, Lord. I'll be really quick. Um, I spent last week in Alaska and with this elderly lady I've taken care of before. And uh, so I had a chance to witness to her family. You know, this isn't just about, the broken heart isn't just about family and children and stuff like that. But anyway, so I asked this family if uh, they believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And daggers came out of their eyes. And I felt so rejected and there was a, such a broken heart. And, uh, I mean, they just left the room. And there was so much emotion and rejection and humiliation almost. And I left and I thought, I know who my Jesus is. They're wrong. I hope they don't go to hell. And I someday will witness to them again, maybe. But we're in some perilous times now. And we're, persecution very well is going to come on us. But we've got to remember who our God is. Like Melissa says, he's the same today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. So we praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you, Lord. Thank you for working in every heart and every life. Thank you for utterance. to speak as we ought to speak this morning. Give us grace. We thank you for mercy, for mercy, for wherever we've missed it. Open our eyes to find grace to help us. That supernatural ability, that divine favor, your influence upon our heart so divinely and so directly that it reflects in our everyday life as it reflects out and refracts out the very light of life, we will give you the glory and the honor, the praise and the thanksgiving in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. He's good. Praise the Lord. He'll take us out of our comfort zone uh, every now and then. But I believe it's a good thing. Happy Mother's Day. Moms, praise the Lord. What a great day to celebrate you and the love of God. We're so thankful for that and grateful. As the video said, you know, moms, uh, there's so many different circumstances and situations. And, and moms, uh, they walk us through that. They're, they're resilient. They're, they're tough. You know, I, I was blessed. I was tremendously blessed of God uh, to have a mother that, you know, when you look at the Bible, uh, was a Proverbs uh, 
31 type of a mom. And uh, she, uh, you know, loved my dad, stayed with my dad uh, through thick and thin, supported him. Uh, you know, she, was, she had such strength, yet she has such grace. She has, uh, you know, wisdom, and uh, she has honor. And, um, you know, she took care of her household in such a, a dynamic way in serving God. And uh, I was just blessed to be able to observe uh, such a Christ-likeness in my mom. And, uh, you know, just the, the, the things of compassion yet of great strength um, that she displayed to us really in every situation every single day. And so, you know, uh, being a mom isn't easy. My mom uh, raised five kids and, um, you know, uh, praise the Lord. She, uh, my mom's just, she's not a really uh, large lady. And um, I probably told this story before, but I can never forget this story. It's so great. It speaks of my mom's strength and determination. And, um, you know, when uh, my brother was actually in college, my mom is always, you know, my mom's never not our mom. My mom's 89. Uh, she'll be 90 in December. And she hasn't decided like you grew up and uh, you won't be my kids anymore. If we're at her house and uh, she raised us, you know, not to say something like fart. Um, excuse me. Um, <clears throat> probably shouldn't say that in church. But, boy, I'll tell you what. She would come and she would just give you a slap on the shoulder, a kick in the butt because she figures I raised you that way. And I can't control what you do as an adult. But when you're in my house, you know the rules of my house. So my brother was actually in college and he came home. And I can't even remember what he did. But he irritated my mom. Uh, pretty severely. So my mom went, she got this belt and she came after my brother. <laughs> my brother, if you, my brother's six, five and, uh, and she, she went to get him and my brother just reached out and took the belt away from her. He's like, calm down. So she went to the, um, she, she went to the closet and she grabbed the coat hanger. I know this sounds terrible, but my mom was not abusive. My brother's six, five. My mom's like five, six. And, uh, she goes, uh, she's all the time saying, no, don't you do that. You, you. And, he, she, and he takes the coat hanger away from her. And so she goes to our closet. We play baseball. And she, she grabs this baseball bat. And uh, she looks at him. And she thinks better. She drops it. And she says, you wait till your father gets home. <laughs> <laughs> so she was always determined to make sure we went in the right direction. Didn't matter how old we were or what we thought about ourselves. My mom was always mom. She always loved us, but she loved us so much that she was determined to give us direction in life, pray for us, stand for us, and direct us. And so, so thankful for, for my mom. I just want to give her, uh, you know, that shout out. Um, praise the Lord. I, I'm blessed. And certainly everybody has a different situation, but today's the day where we honor our moms. And we're so thankful that they uh, really did what they did with us and, and uh, cared for us and, and uh, nurtured us throughout life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, I, uh, we just have a few minutes here, and so uh, I just want to pick up where we've left off. We're in that series, God Help Me. We started last week to talk about God Help Me Love. God Help Me Really Walk in Love. We could say it like that. And so uh, really jump in in John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus said this. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he will be 
with, not just with you, he dwells with you, but he will be in you. Praise the Lord. And so really, God looks at this magnitude of life that he has really created for us, that Jesus purchased for us to walk in. It's a newness of life. It's not the same old life that we lived under the bondage of sin. It's a brand new life. And because it's a new life, the whole scope of it, the direction of it, the strength of it, we need help walking through it. The Holy Spirit's called the helper. He's also called the guide. We need a guide to get us through this new life. Sometimes we get born again. We think we got life and we begin to live it and walk it down the same path we did before we got born again. But it's a totally different kind of life and it's a different quality of life. And he said, when you love me, you embrace a relationship with me by love. Then you determine I'm going to live life the way that you have ordained for me to live, that you have directed and commanded me to live. And so when you decide to do that, you're going to need help. And it's that helper is the Holy Spirit of God. That word helper means paraclete. It means to uh, called alongside. It means to take a hold together with against, which is very important that he takes a hold together with us against every obstacle or adversity that would come in our life. And so in understanding that and talking about the help, we said this a couple of weeks ago, that there's the kind of help where it's always done for you. Right, But then there is the help that comes alongside and instructs us and empowers us to do it. So when we're empowered to do it, we can face situations of life and not have to say, could somebody do something for me? But we've been empowered to stand. We've been empowered to do what God's called us to do. And one of the greatest things that he has called us to do, the primary things that he's called us to do in the newness of life, and that newness of life is a life that is filled with himself. Right? Our new life isn't something apart from God, and it's not just something with God. It's in union with Him. And again, we hear that over and over, but until we really understand and wake up each day and sense the very life of God on the inside of us, not where is God today, how do I grasp, grasp something to maybe live better today, but we realize that my help comes from within me. It's not just with me, but it's on the inside of me. The wisdom that I need, is on the inside of me. The strength that I need is on the inside of me. The character that I need to walk through life is on the inside of me. And it dwells there, but I have to give place to what it's going to produce in my life and the help that it brings into my life. So he said, if you love me, you'll walk in my commandments. Not, not if you do my commandments, that'll prove you love me. What comes first? Your love for me. Your embrace for me, entering into a relationship with me. And if you enter into that relationship with me and you understand that I'm in you and you're in me, we can't be going two different directions. Right? And so if we're not going two different directions and you've yielded and gone in, got into this relationship with me because of what I've done for you, I've purchased your life away from sin to live the kind of life that I live in you, then it'll be following my way of life or my commands. Can't go a different direction and be one. And so he said, when you decide to do that, the helper is going to be with you. 
And he's going to help you in a dynamic way. And so what is that commandment? We looked at this last week, Matthew chapter 22, verse 35. He he said, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law. So on these two, you know, we start to say, well, the Old Testament is passed away. All the law is passed away. Well, it's not really passed away. It's just fulfilled. And the 10 are fulfilled in the two. He said, if you could grasp these two, the other 10 would really follow. And so in Romans chapter 13 and verse 10, Paul said this, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. The Passion Translation says it like this. Love makes it impossible to do harm, uh, to harm another. So love fulfills all that the law requires. Oh, man. Jerry, could you run into my office? And there's a little green book. Oh, it's, wait, I got it. Never mind. Thought I lost it. So much going on. So this is a book called The Greatest Thing in the World uh, by Henry Drummond. And so uh, it's a great book on 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can get it. Paul makes this statement. But he says this. I like this. He says, you can readily see for yourself how that must be, uh, must be so. In other words, love being the fulfillment of all the commands. He said, take any of the commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. If a man love God, you will not require to tell him that. Love is the fulfilling of that law. Take not his name in vain. Would he ever dream of taking his name in vain if he loved him? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Would he not be too glad to have one day in seven to dedicate more exclusively To the object of his affection. So just one day. Just one day. Right? Usually your spouse requires more than that. But just one day. Love would fulfill all these laws regarding God. And so, if he loved man, you would never think of telling him to honor his father and mother. He could not do anything else. It would be preposterous to tell him not to kill. You could only insult him if you suggested that he should not steal. How could he steal from those he loved? It would be superfluous to beg him not to bear false witness against his neighbor. If he loved him, it would be the last thing that he would do. And you would never dream of urging him not to covet what his neighbor had. He would rather they possessed it than he himself. In this way, love is fulfilling the law. It is the rule for fulfilling all rules, the new commandment for keeping all commandments. Listen to this, I like this. Christ's one secret of the Christian life. One secret of the Christian life. 
So again, he opens it up to us. You know, we're always trying to figure out whether we're under the law, whether we're under grace, how we manipulate that. And Jesus just said, here's the secret. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And every other thing hangs on that. Not every other thing goes away. Every other thing hangs upon that. And in the culture that we live in and talking about the day and the time where there's a revival and an awakening breaking forth in the world today and the church is going to be the light of the world. How many of you believe the church is called to be the light of the world? In order to be the light in the midst of darkness, in order to have knowledge and revelation in the midst of ignorance and deception, the church is going to have to rise up and be different. And in a day right now where it's easy to say, I love you, and the next breath lie to you, or easy to say, I love you, and then covet your goods and say, how come you have everything and I have nothing? It's easy to say, I love God, but finding time to even give him a day. Saying, I love God, but blaming God for everything that's taking place in my life. And the world moves like that. It's time for the church to rise up and say, I get this thing. That is the very essence of who I now am in Christ. This love that so infuses and strengthens and directs my life, my emotions, my actions, my words, the extension to someone else, how great, how powerful, and how wonderful is it? How many of you like it when you feel loved? A few less than I anticipated. So most people, except for you unique ones, the human existence, there's something that so uh, energizes us when we feel loved. And so when we hear about love, we're like, yeah, boy, I hope my wife gets this. Boy, I hope my husband gets this. Pastor, I hope you're listening to yourself. Because we all want to be loved. But the very start, the very core of it is you know, you know, because I love to feel loved, somebody else does. So the essence of it is not, boy, I hope somebody else is listening to this, but God, show me, teach me, strengthen me, help me to love in this dynamic way. That prior to Jesus' death, only you could love. Loving the unlovely. Loving those who don't even love me. Loving those who persecute me or despitefully use me. How does that work? Help me to comprehend the depth and the breadth and the height and the length of your love. I don't want to just live on this human knowledge level where it works for me. And if it doesn't work for me, I can't love. God, I want to, I want to come up. I want to come higher. I want to go deeper. I want to extend farther. I want to expand my capacity in such a way that I begin to see. And that's really the only way you can take it. Because your mind starts to get there. You know, you may leave today thinking, oh, here we go. Oh. This love thing that I feel like I have. No, you don't have to. You never have to. 
But in understanding love, you get to experience the greatest thing in all the world. The most powerful thing in the universe. The love of God. It's been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. And when we began, as Paul said and prayed there in Ephesians, to, to experience or to comprehend its multifaceted aspects and the depth and the breadth and the height and the length, he's saying, listen, when you start to comprehend it, it extends your capacity higher, deeper, longer, wider. It just starts to push out and make room for things that otherwise you wouldn't have room for. And some people, you know, we, we just say, well, I, oh man, here we go. Then there's, then there's going to be more in my life, but not more with a smaller place, more with greater capacity. Praise the Lord. And so as we begin to look at this and, and break this open, I believe the love of God, he wants to demonstrate to us, even this morning, for those who are broken, God wants to demonstrate his love for us. Amen. And it's, it's really, you know, to look at it and just move it off, it's the most important thing. Why are we talking about this? Well, really, 1 Peter chapter 4 says this, 1 Peter 4, 8, it says, and above all, somebody say above all. Above. Say it again, above all. above all. He said, and above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sin. He said, you know, look at this. Above all things. Above all things. That means all things. Above all things. Not love's down here and everything else overwhelms love. But when love is above all things, love begins to guide, direct, uh, process. Love is so powerful. When you look at the Word of God, when I look at the Word of God, the love of God is so powerful. So powerful. It goes so far beyond our emotions. It actually affects our mentality, our thought processes. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14, he's just listed all of the essence of the new man. He said, put off the old man and talked about what those things were. And then he said, put on the new man. And he's listing these virtues or these characteristics. And in Colossians chapter 3, and uh, verse 14, he says, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Again, he says, above all. Peter said, above all. The Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Well, we got two right there. And then Paul speaks of it. So uh, he's talking about above all. Message Bible says it like this. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Love's our basic, all-purpose garment. The Passion Translation says it like this. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of maturity. Love becomes the mark of maturity. So we're just going to take a minute just a minute, we started last week and we talked about uh, the importance of the love of God. Without the love of God, you cannot know him. Without the knowledge of the love of God, you cannot know him. 
That's why Paul prayed so fervently concerning the love of God for the churches, that they would know the love of God which passes knowledge. In other words, the church is unique. It's not in that just loving people who love me and feeling that emotional love, but it's going to the depths of a characteristic of God that resides in us, which is the love of God. And so it's very easy, you know, to to take human love and say, well, I'm offended or I don't feel that way because, you know, my love, uh, I don't feel like you love me, so I don't have to love you. There's an emotional thing that goes on there. But, you know, something that we look at, and I'm asking, you know, we were praying uh, the other morning about this, and so I've, I've just been asking God questions about it. I said, you know, I know because people have talked to me before, and, and they have their own opinion. It really doesn't matter. But, you know, Jesus, when Jesus went into the temple, and it appears, you know, that he went in uh, really at the beginning of his ministry, he went into the temple, and then he went in again at the end of his ministry, which means after three years, they reverted backwards to that. But he purposefully went into the temple, and he drove out the money changers. He drove out uh, turned over tables. It looked like, you know, when, when he drives that out, when we look at it with the natural eye, we're like, Oop. well, there was a moment for Jesus. There was a moment where Jesus stopped loving. But in all reality, Jesus never stopped loving. He so loved God and so loved people that when he saw their compromise simply for convenience, which is what was going on. So they didn't have to bring the animal that they had raised, their sacrifice with them on a journey. The money changers, the the priests, all those figured out like, well, they don't want to bring this sacrifice with them. That's very inconvenient. So what we'll do is we'll sell them a sacrifice. We'll make money. They'll have a sacrifice. But that wasn't what God wanted for them. God wanted them to see we're in partnership and it will take what's, what you have, what you've labored for, that innocent animal that represents your life because it belongs to you to be sacrificed to me so that I can have this interaction with you, but for convenience, they changed it, and it was, not, it was not affecting their life. They had begun to leave those, those sacrifices. They even left the tithes and the offerings, and they were beginning to live under a curse, and Jesus hated that curse so much and loved God and people so much that he had to go after what was separating the people from God. So, you know, you could just look at it at a glance and go, man, Jesus got mad and angry and he stepped out of love and he just whooped people, turned over tables. Oh my God, that wasn't a very loving moment. But the essence of it was so deeply rooted in love. So we can't just comprehend love by our own definition of it. But the definition that he gives us. And it takes the Holy Spirit, our helper, to begin to define the love of God for us. So I expected to get a little bit farther today, but we want to know him. That's the essence of the blood of Jesus, is that we could have a depth of relationship with him. And as John said, if you say you know him and you hate your brother, you don't know him at all. Because how can you love a person that you do see and say you love a God you don't see? 
There's an essence of seeing God in your brothers and sisters that allows you to love God and see what God has in them so that something in that connection between me and God and God in you that creates a love between brothers and sisters in Christ that starts to go deeper than we ever imagined. Right, to be able to see that. Paul was seeing that with the Corinthian church. He said, we no longer just simply see each other after the flesh. Just look around and say, I knew you in high school and there's no possibility. Oh, I watched you the other. No. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, everything has become new. And now everything is of God who's reconciled us to himself. So there's an aspect, even though we're, God's not finished with any of us yet, He's still working out the nuances and developing and growing us every single day for us to realize He's not done with me, He's not done with you, and one of the greatest bonds of coming together to be a light in the midst of a generation of darkness is for the church uh, and each individual to love one another as He's given us command. And in that loving one another, there's a knowledge of who God is. Even today, as you look at it and you begin to ponder it as you go through the week and those things begin to poke at you, to just say, God, what is that? And how do I, how do I deal with that? Help me, Holy Spirit, understand that. Because if we get a breakthrough in this love, there's going to be a massive breakthrough in your understanding and your knowledge of who God is to you. right? Because Jesus said, if you are unable to forgive, I'm unable to forgive you. In other words, some things are locked up here in understanding simply because you're being stubborn about forgiving. Thank God he wasn't stubborn about forgiving us. And the moment we say, I trust you and what you've done for me, I will forgive. And learn from him. Everybody's like, well, if I forgive, that means I have to forget. And just, no, it doesn't mean you have to let everything go back. If something was wrong, you don't go back to it and allow it to continue wrong. But if you move forward without forgiving, you'll take all that wrong and carry it with you into the future. There's a dynamic of this love and connection that breaks the past, which is what God wants for you. He wants you to break off that past and be able to understand a brand new future. And some of that you're moving in the future with that same person you're struggling with. It's not that, that difficult, but your future together depends on being everything that God has for it to be. It depends on you leaving the past behind through forgiveness and trusting in the love of God to be able to mend and to put together and move it forward. And when you do that, even in all the resistance, all of a sudden a breakthrough in the knowledge of who God is will begin to be revealed to us. The Bible promises. The second thing, and the last thing we'll talk about today, is through love we purify our hearts. Through love we begin to purify our hearts. There's just things where, where that uh, hatred or that loving people less or, or putting them in a different place, it starts to taint your heart. Right? 
If all of a sudden you, know, you have a situation, somebody you really looked up to and they disappointed you, and so you took a hold of that and you begin to love them less, right? We talked about this last week. What does that really mean if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself? To hate somebody it means to love them less. Love them less than what? Love them less than myself. Or, or Jesus said, if you don't hate your father, your mother, your brother, your sister more than me, you can't possibly be my disciple. And we read stuff like that, and the word hate just blows up on us, and we do all that. There's a, it's just really practical statements. When Jesus said, you have to hate all these people, he just said, you, you have to love them less than me. Because if you, love the, if you don't love them less than me, you love them more than me, you can't possibly follow me, because every time that thing you love more, that person you love more goes right, when I go left, you will follow the one you love more. He's just making a practical statement. You can't be my disciple and follow me if you have three other people in your life you love more. You'll follow them. You won't be able to follow me. But the moment you set me first and love me more and follow me, I can help you love all of them better. I can help you in your life, right? So if we come to this place, I'm just going to put it in this, this simple analogy. We're going to close. If, if, if I have somebody that's in my life that I begin to love less, I had them at one point in my life or an expectation of them, found out things, and I begin to love them less, now my heart starts to reason why I have to love them less. And when I say, well, I can love them less because they disappointed me. I can love them less because they didn't measure up. I can love them less because they did something wrong. Your heart is beginning to be defiled. Your heart is beginning to get hardened. But the love of God that esteems others, that puts love in a place where I don't have to reason, I can love someone with the love of God, recognize the faults, recognize the difficulties, recognize the disappointments that they have where they are in life, and not have to go, okay, everything's fine, but really put myself in a place of loving them. Not that they should have done something for me and I expected from them and they disappointed me. No, I can go to the place of saying, I'm not going to let that defile my heart because they didn't do what I wanted them to do. They're just living. They're trying to serve God. And I put them on a pedestal that they didn't measure up to and now I've allowed that to affect my heart. But love will purify all of that stuff out and keep it from defiling me and comparing myself with others and comparing others who have been good to me with others who haven't been good to me and following right back into human love. It's a dynamic above all else that will keep us in a dynamic place and a great place with him. Praise the Lord. Y'all with me? So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, he says this. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. So he said, listen, the Holy Spirit has helped you love, which purified your heart. So now continue loving with a pure heart. 
So as we begin to experience this love, we don't just do it for a day. The Holy Spirit helps us develop to grow in and to understand. Because as we're going to see as we go through this, man, this love of God starts to create a huge expectation. A huge expectation. And that love energizes and motivates your faith to grab a hold of that expectation and draw it into reality. There's a lot of people looking for an expectation, a vision. They're looking for faith to draw it into reality, but they've got stuff in their heart that's blocking that. And faith being one of the three most important things is not the most important. And faith worketh by love. And so many times we're working our faith and not thinking about love. We're working our faith, yet we got all these personality conflicts going on and situations, and we're wondering why we're not drawing in. We're doing all the motions that we need to for faith, but we're not drawing it in. And, and even James said this, you're asking and you're not receiving. You're putting the principles of faith in action, but you're not receiving. Why? Because you're just thinking about yourself to bring it upon yourself. But God said when there's an aspect of faith in operation by the love of God, it's so powerful that it activates, it energizes, and it moves your faith forward to grab a hold of what love, really love with God, the union that you have with God, God opened up because you're in union with me and I have great plans for your life. It opened up great expectation. And that love doesn't make us, or that hope doesn't give us any shame. We're not ashamed of big expectation. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Where that expectation of health, where that expectation of prosperity, where that expectation of wisdom, where that expectation of knowledge, where that expectation of peace, where that expectation of joy come from. It came from God's love that's been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Above all else, love is the thing that brings everything together, bonds it, matures us, develops us. Above all, love is that thing that takes a hold above everything. Out of the three that remain, faith, hope, and love, the greatest is love. And we've reduced it down to an emotional thing like, okay, love, I love people. But no, it's the greatest thing. It's above all. It causes everything else to move forward. Everything in the dynamic of the kingdom of God is set upon God's love for us and the new birth where we're like him and we begin begin to display and give forth his love towards others. And it brings dynamic change, not only to us, but to the atmosphere and the influence around us. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you. We praise you and we magnify you for the new birth. We thank you that when we were born again, your very life, your very nature, your very love came to live on the inside of us. And no matter what is around us in a world of darkness where there's hatred and deception and the devices of the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy, you brought your love on the inside of us. And the knowledge of that love and the depth of that relationship gives us life and gives us peace. So I ask you this morning, on this day, when we celebrate moms, we celebrate family. that you would give us a greater revelation of your love than we have ever had before. No matter what we think we know, to comprehend it's deeper, it's wider. 
tires longer. Goes beyond the human comprehension. So when the Holy Spirit reveals to us, it's mind-blowing. I thank you that as you do that, you'll begin to reconcile hearts. It'll begin to affect our workplaces. It'll begin to affect our relationship with our children, our spouses. It'll affect our relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ. It'll affect how we reach out to those who don't know you in the world around us. The dynamics and the power of it. I ask you to reveal that to each one. And as you're opening it up, and it looks so deep, it looks so wide, it looks so long that we think in our mind it's too much. That in that moment you reveal your strength to help us. And you begin to strengthen each one with mighty power by your spirit in their inner man. That they might be rooted, grounded, and established in this very love of God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can stand up if you need prayer for anything. Altar workers will be up here to pray with you. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, experience that love. He wants to embrace you, forgive you, and enter into a, a love relationship with you. That's what he died on the cross for. So that's what I want in my life. They'll be up here to pray with you. Just tell them, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. They'll spend some time with you, explain it to you, pray with you. Today could be the greatest day of relationship with God you ever had. Amen. Say so as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me. By Adam's fall, you can be dismissed. Make it.